And we were looking at these four parts to baptism uh, that we uh, took up the first three on Wednesday. Of course, you have to have the special subject that is one who is born again, uh, which uh, again flies in the face of what a lot of people uh, declare as baptism today and have for uh, many years because there is a lot of baptizing infants that still goes on today and is classified as their baptism, but in reality there has to be one who is born again is the candidate for baptism. Roman, uh, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 8, we looked at that particular passage. We see that throughout the scripture, throughout the Old Testament, or I'm sorry, the New Testament, wherever baptism is mentioned, it is always after one believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. And Philip, with the Ethiopian eunuch there in Acts chapter 8, specifically makes mention to that. The Ethiopian eunuch asked him, See, here's water, what doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip's answer to him, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so he commanded the chariot to stand still. They both went down into the water, and he baptized him there. Baptism requires that one is born again, that they believed on the Lord Jesus Christ before they can be a candidate to baptism. The second part we looked at was the mode of baptism. And there are three basic modes that are uh, accepted in Christianity today. Uh, however, only one of them the Scripture describes. Uh, the one that we do, the one that the Scripture describes is a dipping or immersing fully in water when we are baptized. The word baptizo is a transliterated Greek word uh, that we get baptism from, and it means simply to dip or immerse fully. And we do that because it is representative of the Lord's burial. That we have died to self, buried in Christ Jesus, and raised to walk in newness of life. It is a symbol of burial, and so that is the reason the dipping and, to, and fully immersing under the water is, uh, is necessary to show that reality, to show that, that, bur, or that uh, burial rather of Christ Jesus. The other two modes that are often used are sprinkling or pouring, and neither one of those meet uh, the requirement of what is being symbolized there in the baptism. Uh, so, and uh, of course, we looked at where those came from. Particularly, uh, uh, Pope Stephen II gave authority for sprinkling in 811 A.D. as the uh, accepted mode. The Council of Ravenna. In 1311, allowed for any mode. So they said then at that time, well, if you want to sprinkle, you can sprinkle. If you want to pour, you can pour. If you want to fully immerse, you can fully immerse. But we know that these modes were being used even before these dates. Uh, Constantine the Great, in fact, on his deathbed, they poured the water over him and said they baptized him uh, in his bed there because they poured the water over him. So we know these things. Uh, even from the 300s, were being practiced. 1643, the Westminster Assembly, uh, by one vote, which is 25 to 24, made sprinkling a part of their confession of faith. And so this, these, um, the, the Reformers, along with the Catholic Church, have always 
since at least the 300s and probably before that even had pushed for these other modes of baptism. Uh, the Baptist mode, the mode of the Scripture, has always been fully immersing, dipping under the water to show that symbol of the of the the um, to show the symbol of the burial of the Lord. And then we looked at the design of baptism and what that design is, uh, and the fact that it its purpose is to show. Uh, that that very thing that that we have died to self uh, and are raised to walk in newness of life. It does not save. There's no there's no uh, grace or work of grace in salvation or in baptism rather that is accomplished for us. It is simply an identification with the Lord Jesus that we belong to Him. It is the ceremonial door into one of the Lord's churches in, in receiving their baptism. Uh, but it is to show our death to self, burial in Christ Jesus, and raised again to walk in newness of life, as Romans chapter 4 declares to us uh, uh, particularly. And so we, we looked at those three on Wednesday, and we're going to look at the, the fourth one tonight. Uh, or this afternoon, and it is the authoritative administrator. Baptism requires an authoritative administrator. And we begin, go back with me again to, to uh, Matthew chapter number 3. It's where we began on Wednesday. Uh, as we look here at the Lord's baptism, uh, and we see what took place there. John the Baptist was baptizing in the Jordan River at the time. John was given the task to prepare the way of the Lord. And while John is preparing the way of the Lord, he's also preparing the material for the Lord's church as well. As he is gathering together these disciples, uh, of whom many of our Lord's apostles were already followers of John, and had been, had been listening to him preach and following after him. And it says in verse 1 of Matthew 3, it says, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And the same John that had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, his meat was locust and wild honey, and then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Then we come to verse 13. It says, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, when we look at baptism itself, uh, it is classified 
as by, by most as a Christian ordinance. Some would even classify it as a preacher ordinance even. Uh, and they would declare it doesn't matter who administers it. Uh, but we see by the example given to us in the Scripture, the word that the Scripture gives us concerning baptism, it's not what the Lord teaches us concerning the administrator. It is not a Christian ordinance, it is a church ordinance. It is what the Lord has given to His church. And we'll see that shortly as we look at the commission itself and the declaration of it as so. We find here in this particular passage the authority of John. And it's why, this is why this John's place here is so important in this study. Because, first of all, John was prophesied to come as the forerunner of Christ. He was the one to whom God gave the authority to do this work. And so John was sent out to do this work. He was prophesied concerning that he would do this work. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 3. Malachi chapter 4 and verse number 5 both declare his coming and what he would do. We read in uh, Luke chapter 1 and verse number 76 there. Uh, right there at the end of Luke chapter 1, he says, And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou, shalt go before, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way. So this was prophesied of him from the Old Testament prophecy, speaking this to Zechariah and Elizabeth here uh, before John uh, the Baptist was born. And it was declared of him. Jesus also declares or acknowledges John as his forerunner. Go back to Matthew chapter number 11. Matthew chapter number 11, verse 11 through verse number 15. Matthew 11, verse 11 through 15. Jesus says here, Verily I say unto you, Among them that are born of women, there hath not been a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if ye will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. And so here, well, let me go on and read verse 15. He that had ears to hear, let him hear. So the Lord says that this is the fulfillment of those prophecies in Isaiah. This is the fulfillment of the prophecy in Malachi. It's the fulfillment of that very prophecy in, in Luke chapter 1. John was the one sent by God to do this work, to prepare the way of the Lord. In Matthew 17, Matthew 17, in verse number 10, Matthew 17, verse number 10, down through verse number 13. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then, say the scribes, that Elias must first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias has come already, and they knew him not. But have done unto him whatsoever they listed, likewise also, likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. And so the Lord declares both these places, John 
was the fulfillment of those prophecies. God had given to John to do this work, and Jesus acknowledges John here as his forerunner, the one who is to go before him to prepare the way before him, and even prepare the material for his church that he would establish. John was only as much the fulfillment of this prophecy as long as Jesus is whom he said he was. So if Jesus is not the Messiah, then John is not the fulfillment of the prophecy. But we know for a fact Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus is the King. He is the Savior. And therefore John then is the fulfillment of the prophecies that are given there. And John is the one given authority to go forth to do this work by God. Why is the forerunnership of John so important? John chapter 1, verse number 6. John chapter 1 and verse number 6. We see here is this. John is described for us here. And the work that he was doing. Verse 6, it says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And so John was given this place. He was given this authority to go forth to do this work. Now, John did not lay any foundations of the Lord's church there. He did not even put together a body. But he did take the lively stones and hammered off the edges and prepared the material for the building so that when the Lord came, He came to those whom He came and said, Follow me. And they followed Him. You see, And He built from them His church. In Matthew 3, we read there in verse number 13, through verse number 17, the passage we just read there, about our Lord coming to John. To receive John's baptism. Now, <clears throat> if anybody had the right, down through history, these last 2,000 years, if anybody had the right to baptize themselves, it was the Lord Jesus. He, he didn't need anybody else's authority on the matter. He could have baptized himself. But instead, he gives us this example by going to the one sent from God. And he declared... As much as we've already read. John is the one sent from God. He walked to John these some 60 miles to receive John's baptism here in the River Jordan. When he came, of course, John says, John didn't understand the fullness of it himself there and what was being declared and what was being shown in the Lord's baptism. And John said, no, 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 I need to be baptized of you. No, 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 no. I, hey, I, you're not. You're you're the Lamb of the world that uh, that's come to take, or the Lamb of God rather that's come to take away the sins of the world. It's, that's not. I, I need to be baptized of you. And Jesus said, "Suffer it to be so now to fulfill all righteousness." This was him yielding himself to his Father, to the authority that his Father had set to do to begin his work. And his ministry here with this baptism of John. And so he submitted himself to John's baptism there at Jordan. 
uh, again walking some 60 miles to receive that baptism and thereby uh, coming under that authority that God had given to John for that baptism. And after he is baptized, we see then the fulfillment, or the not, not rather the fulfillment, but the approval rather, of the Father for the Lord's work here. As he declares to him, uh, at first he sees the, the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and lighting upon him and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And so we see the Father's accreditation of the Son at his baptism by John. From this point forward, Jesus would increase and John would decrease. John would leave the picture at this point as the Lord would increase it from this point forward as those, would follow, those followers of John would even go and follow after the Lord. And we read in Matthew 28, and we've, we've already looked at this particular passage concerning the commission that is given to us as His churches. The Lord gives the commission here. He gave Himself to the authority of John for that, that baptism of John from sent by God to do this work. The Lord in turn gives the authority to baptize to His churches. There in Matthew chapter 28, verse number 18, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, all authority, all exousia is the Greek word there, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, that being declared to them the gospel, that is our first priority. Then baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And so we have this authority given to His churches to continue forward in this baptism, the preaching of the gospel, the baptizing those that believe, and the continued discipling, the continued teaching after they have been baptized, after their salvation has taken place and their baptism, they are to continue to be taught from that point forward. And so He gives this commission to His churches, the preaching of the gospel, the baptizing of those that believe, and the continued teaching of those believers. And so baptism is now an ordinance. It is the first ordinance of the church by the authority of the Lord Jesus. As He makes it our responsibility, His church's responsibility, to carry this work, this function out. Now there's never a time throughout history when this authority has ceased to be. The Lord declared He would be with His churches here, even in our text of Matthew 28, that He'd be with them to the end of the age, to the end of this world. Uh, the Lord declared uh, because He would be with them to the end of the age, then this authority continues on to the end of the age. Therefore, the only right 
baptism is the one given by the Lord to his churches to perform, to conduct. And it lies in that authority that we conduct baptism that we conduct even today. Self-baptism is not sufficient. And baptism alien to the Lord's New Testament churches is not sufficient. That is the reason. It has been the reason throughout history uh, from the time of uh, uh, the Lord's churches that we read of in the Scripture on throughout these last 2,000 years that when it came to baptizing someone, they would baptize them, making sure that they were baptized in proper authority to the point that they were baptizing everybody that came to them, that they were called re-baptizers because they did not accept the sprinkling of those children beforehand. The problem again with baptism as it is interpreted uh, by uh, most today is that baptism carries with it some form or some work of salvation. That it is regenerative in some fashion. Whether it is just one of many works that has to be performed or it is the work that saves an individual. And the majority hold to that reality giving some act of grace or some work of grace which is not grace, as Paul says, but some work of grace to the act of baptism. And that's simply not the case. It is a work of righteousness, yes, as the Lord called it there in Matthew chapter 3, but it is indeed just that, a work. It's an act of obedience to the Lord. It is not salvific in any way. And so that's really where... Uh, the problem lies in the interpretation of what baptism is throughout these 2,000 years. You have the majority that says there's, there's some grace in it. There's some salvation in it. It is salvation, some of them even declare. And the Lord's churches have always said, no, it is not. It is a work of righteousness. It is an act of obedience. It is our ordinance to perform, but one must be born again first before they can receive that salvation. And so it still lies in that difference there and has been for these 2,000 years so that the authority that was given by the Lord to His churches continues on to this day and is to be carried out by His churches. Uh, that proper baptism is performed. The Lord's churches of old uh, refused to give in to the world's effort to change the authority and the meaning of baptism. And in their refusal to give it up, uh, they were beaten, arrested, beheaded, burnt at the stake, crucified, uh, because they refused to give away or diminish that authority of Baptism that the Lord had given. And again, the, it doesn't matter how many times somebody gets wet, there is no grace in it. There's no grace in it. Um, you're just getting wet from that standpoint. Uh, salvation is by grace through faith, it is not by baptismal pool or sprinkling of water. It is by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
in His finished work. What He has done for us. Baptism comes as an act of obedience because we are identifying ourselves in Christ Jesus. We have believed on Him, have been saved by His grace, and now we are making a public proclamation that I believe in Christ Jesus as my Lord. That is what baptism shows forth. The authority of baptism, despite the attacks, despite the murders, has not diminished for 2,000 years. The ordinance and its proper conduct is just as real today and must be protected with the same careful attention the Lord gave it 2,000 years ago. So when one comes with baptism that is not in the authority of one of the Lord's New Testament churches, they must be rebaptized in proper authority. That's we, we we do not accept what we have been termed alien immersion. Not something from the stars, but but one that is not in proper authority. One that is not in right authority. So it, it must be from a a one of the Lord's New Testament Baptist churches of like faith and order, having carried on that same understanding, same doctrine concerning baptism. And we that must be done, that rebaptism must take place in proper authority for one to be made a member of this church or any of the Lord's churches. This this is what is required as far as the authoritative Administrator, We still have that authority. We still have that authority given us by God throughout the ages to us. We still are to carry that out, to do that work, and to be faithful to it and protect it as much as we can. As much as we, we don't, we can't, we can only do what investigation we need to do when somebody comes and uh, to join and, and we can only base it on what we find and what we understand to be the case and we go from there, do the best we can to honor that and, and to hold to that uh, when we accept by letter or by statement of faith. But it is important for us, again, to make sure we uphold these things concerning the baptism. There be a proper subject or special subject, one who has truly been born again, Secondly, the, the right mode, uh, the proper mode of baptism being uh, full immersion or dipping underwater there. The third, the design, what it is intending to show in the, the symbolism of the baptism that we are identifying ourselves with Christ in His death, His burial, and His resurrection all in that act of baptism. And then lastly, in the proper administrator. That it is through the authority of the Lord's churches that this, authority, that this baptism, this, this ordinance continues on even to this day, 2,000 years removed from the time that the Lord has given this work to be done uh, by His churches. Now, next time... And we look, Lord willing, on Wednesday, we'll look at the second ordinance, and that is the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. I don't know how far along we'll get into it, but we're gonna, we'll tackle it on Wednesday as we see what the Scripture speaks concerning that second ordinance. We only have two. We only have two ordinances.
baptism and Lord's Supper. Baptism is the, the first. It's the one that is not usually repeated. Um, um, but sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. Uh, but it's not usually repeated. However, I, I did uh, talk to a fellow one time. He was uh, among another group of Baptists and uh, they were big on keeping their baptismal numbers. They had to turn them in every year about how many baptisms they had. And he was a member of this this one particular church and he said, I've been baptized four times. He said, me and my whole family. I said, you've been baptized four times? And he said, yeah. He said, when our numbers start getting low for the year, they come around and have us re-baptized. So they can report a bigger number. He said it came up. He said, matter of fact, he said it came up our turn again this past year. And he said, me and my family, we ought to be rebaptized again. So he baptized four times. Um, that's not what the scriptures teach it. That's not its purpose. Baptism is that first ordinance. The second ordinance is one that we do perform over and over again. That we do take together uh, many times, and that is the Lord's Supper. Both ordinances, both ordinances show the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection for us. The one showing that we are identified in Him uh, by His death, burial, and resurrection for us. The other, remembering His death, burial, and resurrection for us as we take the Lord's Supper together. Both of them, both of them showing forth His gospel. All right, let's all stand. We'll be dismissed.